and welcome to WISMED On Call, a podcast by the Wisconsin Medical Society that looks at some of the top issues affecting patients in the practice of medicine in Wisconsin. I'm your host, Peter Welch, Vice President of Strategy and Partnerships, and joining me is Bob Folks, the Society's recent retired Chief Financial Officer. Hi, Bob. Hello. Nice to see you. This episode is part of a special financial literacy series entitled, What I Wish I Knew, aimed at answering questions from young physicians, residents, and medical students about topics that may not be covered in medical school. In this episode, we're starting with the basics, appropriately titled, Budgeting Basics. So Bob, let's say that I've just started my practice. I'm getting a paycheck now, I've got student loans and rent, I'm thinking about the future. How should I begin putting together a budget? That's a tough question. Uh, no, uh, really, the, you should probably go through some organized steps. Um, and I'll try to lay a couple of those out, and then you can follow up if I, if I go too far afield. But um, really, the, first, the starting point is decide to start a budget. Um, to, to take it seriously, we as individuals are just like businesses. We're just a small business. And our business is our own financial well-being, as opposed to a company that has to make a profit for something. And that's what we want to end up doing. So start by making a budget. And, and the very beginning of the budgeting process is know what you have. Okay, What do you have in the bank? Do you have any investments? Do you have any savings accounts? What, what assets do I have? What do I own at this point in, in my life? Um, then the next thing is, how much do I make? That might seem like a pretty obvious question, but it's not always to all people. Um, besides other sources of income, some income from those investments, if you have any. But what am I going to make? Or what I mean, you know, if you're on a salary, it's pretty straightforward because your paycheck probably doesn't change much from pay period to pay period. Uh, if you are an hourly employee or you do side work, you know, what do you get? And we all know that we. We are told we're going to make X number of dollars, and then we get that first paycheck, and we pop open the envelope, <laughs> and there seems to be you say, a who hole. stole my money? Yeah, right? where's the rest? Where's the rest of my money? But there's mandatory deductions and everything else. So it's not only what do I make, but what am I going to take home? So you know, how much do I make? Um, the next thing, and really important when you're starting out, is what do I owe? Okay. We've got consumer debt, your credit cards, got student loans, car loans, mortgages, anything that you are required to pay on, you know, make a list of what those, what those items really are. Um, and as pay, pay a special attention to that high interest consumer debt. That's the one that as we get into this budgeting and saying, how do we get out from this? That's the one we want to get rid of because that's the one that's going to cost us the most money. The next one might not seem to make sense to you when you're starting out, but makes sense really at any point in the time, and that's determine your net worth. Okay, Now we've added up what we have, we've figured out what we owe, and if you're just getting out of school, it's going to be a negative number. That's okay, mm -hmm. because we need that starting point. We want that to be a positive number over time. You know, I, uh, good friend of mine uh, that went out in a business and borrowed a big pile of money, a million dollars, because he'd had an established business, was going to expand and says, if I borrow a million dollars, am I a millionaire? 
<laughs> not really. Uh, it's really based on your your net worth. So, so for if you have a mortgage and let's say you buy a house for two hundred fifty thousand dollars, do you count that as as a negative or a positive to your net worth? It's both. Okay. Okay. Uh, let's just take that example, and, and I think we'll get into that and maybe get into it in even more detail. So you buy a $250,000 house, and they tell you that you have to have 10% down. Mm -hmm. So somehow you scraped up $25,000 worth of cash. So forgetting all the other ins and outs, and, and when you do that first real estate transaction, your eyes will cross <laughs> um, because there's lots of numbers that go in and out. But... Just on the simple basis, $250,000 house, I put $25,000 down, I will have a mortgage of two twenty-five. dollars So I have $25,000 of equity in that house. Okay, so when you add those up, when the what do I have is two fifty, dollars what do I owe is two twenty-five. dollars If that was any the only thing we had, we would have a net worth at that point of $25,000. Hmm. So there is equity built in those things as opposed to like your consumer debt other than the property that you have, which is a little bit different. And well, actually one of the ratios we might look at that later on is, is to do that. So um, so the next step, and this is the, the really the important part after knowing what I'm gonna bring in, is what is my recurring monthly expense? What are they? There's the fixed expenses, the ones we know if you're renting, you gotta pay that landlord first of the month. You got a car payment, a student loan payments, but there are other debts that that you tend to overlook, and those would be the utility bill, the cell phone bill, the other expenses that you incur. Um, all of us have grown accustomed to eating. Um, you know what is what is that food going to cost us? So start to pile up what those monthly expenses are, and there you know there's a number of ways to to tackle those. Um, you know, if anybody's ever gone on, on a time management study or a weight loss program, they'll tell you, you should journal. Well, you should do the same thing on your financial side. Uh, it's eye-opening, just like it is when you when you did that dietary one and realized, boy, all those cappuccinos really added up on me. <laughs> the same thing is true if you start to add up the meals, the other expenses that you have. But journaling for just a period of time to really get a flavor of what those what those ongoing you know the the the, the rent and the car payment are pretty easy because you know if you don't do that one at the first of the month they come for the car they knock on the door and and, and ask you to leave so um, you know so you know though getting a listing of those expenses is is really important um, once you've done all that then the next step to me. And you know, uh, is use some existing tools. Um, we now live in an age of apps. You know, I, you know, I wish they had a lot of this stuff when I was a younger person. But you know, we've got Mint, we've got Excel, we've got Envelope, we've got uh, you know, uh, you need a budget. Mm -hmm. um, there are a number of apps that are out there. And they'll really just give you a more organized fashion to enter those things into so that when you get down to, to the bottom, you can figure it out. I, I said at the beginning, we're just like a small business. And it, one of a, a graduate course that I took, which was, you know, after, after I'd become a CPA, it's like, why do you want to take any more courses? But um, <laughs> that I learned a lot from was an entrepreneurial course. And the professor made a point to me that I said, you know, that makes sense not only for, for them, but it makes sense for me. Small business management is 
really cash management. You get to the end of the month, you got to be able to pay all the bills. Mm -hmm. uh, one of my co-workers used to say, you know, I think I get paid okay. It's the problem is I have more month left at the end of my check than, than I need. <laughs> um, so, you know, get to that. So, you know, use the tools that are there and, and strike that bottom line, okay? Now you've got a bottom line and, you know, you've set a goal, you've decided to do budgeting, you know, and, uh, you know, so now put it in a tool and, and start to monitor it. And then the, probably the next thing to do is as you get into that, especially if you get to the bottom and it says, okay, we have no money left mm -hmm. and there's still days left for me to eat, you start to make those adjustments. What can I, what can I adjust? The fixed payments, not so much. You know, you got to pay that, that rent payment. The landlords usually, usually don't say, well, you know, I'm, I'm going to be gone for the weekend, so let me knock two, two days off the, <laughs> off the check. You know, if you run into a landlord like that, let me know. But um, so, you know, look at those that, that you can't change and then start looking at the items that you can change. Do you need to change the payment schedule? Can you get by on the minimums on the credit card? I'm not recommending that, but, you know, look at those items that you can control versus those that you can't control. Um, and then the next one, um, you know, is, is to make those refinements. Uh, the next one, and, and I believe you're going to have a follow-up question on that, and any good budget program or any good budget article that you read, you, you, if you go out and Google one, the thing that they'll always tell you is pay yourself. Yeah, what do you pay mean yourself by that? first. What I mean by that is it's too easy to overlook to start to save. Hmm. Okay. We've got student loan, we've got this car payment, we've got this and that. When I've got all of these debts, how can I start to pay myself first? And there's a couple of ways that you can do it earlier on in your career when you don't have any of that extra, extra discretionary income. One is, is peeling off part of your paycheck right at the beginning on your own. Mm -hmm. Almost every payroll system that I've worked with in the last 30 years allows you to make deposits into more than one account. Set up a separate account, peel off 1% of the check or whatever it is, and have that direct deposited there, not into that account that you go into for, for your pizza mm -hmm. and, and things of that nature. And money that you don't see, you don't spend. I mean, it's out there, it's, it's your fail-safe, but segregate that, that account off and make that direct deposit to it so that net paycheck already has money going into it. That's one simple. The second one is take advantage of programs already offered by employers. You know, now with the advent of, of what they call defined contribution as opposed to defined benefit, They're, the old-fashioned pension that, that our parents and grandparents retired on is pretty much a thing of the past. Now we have 401ks mm -hmm. or 457s if you're in a nonprofit world. But many of those programs have what they call matching. So if you put in a dollar, they'll put in 50 cents. You would be amazed, and, and having been a plan administrator over all these years for a couple of employers, how many people don't take advantage of the free money? This is free money that is left there for you. So if, if it's put in 3% of your salary, you get one more percent back. I, I know you, if I offered you an opportunity to take three dollars to a place and they give you four back you'd be going back to that window every day mm -hmm. to, to take advantage of it so take advantage of those free opportunities that are that are given to you by your employer and you say I can't afford that just like that 
direct deposit, if you've never seen it, you'll never spend it. That account is in there, and the string that's attached to that is you take it out before you retire, there's a penalty to do it. And now it begins to accumulate. Um, and, and that is something that amazes me people don't take advantage of. Every time I've had a match, I max out the match, and I had to raise four kids and put them through hockey, so I know I know what it's what it's like to get to the end of the month without any money. Uh, but but that really helps you uh, to to meet that goal. There are other things that your employer offers too. That, you, for instance, if there's flex spending accounts and things of that nature, it allows you to save money on things you're going to do anyway, mm -hmm. because you're putting money in before taxes are taken out. So take advantage of those employee benefit opportunities that you have. And it will help you both save money for the future and spend money wisely, you know, at this at, at, when you need to spend it. You know, with a flex spending account, you buy a pair of glasses instead of $200, you're really paying $170 for mm -hmm. it. And, and that's because you put it in before the taxes got taken out. So take advantage of those uh, opportunities. So let's talk about a very specific example that many of our young physicians or residents may be thinking about is transferring from renting your place to buying a place. You know, when What's the trigger that it makes sense to go from renting to buying? That's probably a really complicated question. You know, first of all, we all know it's the American dream to own a home. Mm -hmm. But you shouldn't just follow the dream until you're ready to do that. Um, and, and some of that is, and, and I've actually just gone through this with, with a son who's bought his first home in his 40s. Mm -hmm. um, frankly, didn't have family or anything to be concerned about and wants to start building that, that equity. Um, but you really need to understand the responsibilities of home ownership. So it isn't, it isn't just strictly a financial decision. Um, the cost of money, of course, is, is a factor there. The income tax. What do, you, what do you mean by the cost of money? Okay, the cost, the interest that you'll pay mm -hmm. on that loan. Okay, we talked about $225,000 mortgage. Well, over the life of that mortgage, if it's a 30-year mortgage and you make all the monthly payments, you won't be paying back $225,000. You'll be paying back in excess of $400,000 because the interest uh, that's calculated on there, and it's a declining balance thing. Your first mortgage payment say it's, I'll just pick a number, uh, $600, okay, $590 of that <laughs> goes towards the interest mm -hmm. and $10 goes to the principal. But now the principal's $10 lower, so the next time it's 591 instead of, <laughs> or 589 instead of 590 I wish my mortgage was $600. Yeah, I wish mine was too. Um, so, so it isn't just strictly, you know, I want to have a house decision. It's, you know, am I ready for that responsibility? Uh, keeping up the property and doing things. You know, once you're renting, you decide to go out for the night uh, or go away for the weekend. If the snow falls, your landlord shovels the snow. Mm -hmm. The grass is long and the neighbors are complaining. They'll complain and the landlord will have to cut the lawn. So there's more than just financial decisions to it. But in the long run, it's a way to build equity. When you're paying rent, you're building equity, but you're building it for the landlord and not for you. Uh, you know, just the specific example that we had of the 250 minus the 225. I've got $25,000 of equity. After that first mortgage payment, I just gained 10 more dollars of that equity. And of course, in a rising real estate market, if your home value goes up, that adds on to it. So, you know, it's when you're in that position to afford the payment, 
because it may or may not be less than your rent payment is, um, then am I ready to take on that extra responsibility? Because it isn't, you know, and right out of medical school, uh, there's you're working a lot more hours than maybe you might be later on. Do I have that time to buy the house, upkeep the house? Gee, the roof is leaking. I came home last night to my my sump pump alarm ringing. Oh. <laughs> okay, so fortunately there was no no leakage with all the rain we've had. But, you know, those things uh, need to be taken care of. So it's more than a financial decision. It's also a, a personal, you know, do I have time to make that investment, the investment in time, not the investment in money, but the investment in time to take care of that asset. So looking back in, in your 20s, you know, a lot of our medical students or uh, our young physicians, they went from high school to college and college to med school to residency and, and so on. And, and they've been very focused and driven and, you know, maybe finances haven't been top of mind for them. Uh, what, what advice do you wish you had gotten when you were just starting out? Well, there's a lot of things that you learn that you wish you <laughs> somebody wish you told you was hey, coming. What's, what's one piece of it? Yeah, yeah. I, I think really to to focus on budgeting. You know, like I said, nowadays with apps, when I first worked on a spreadsheet, I went, "Oh my goodness, where has this been all my life?" <laughs> because I was doing everything manually, and to and to make those changes and to really get into your budget dynamically. I think it, it's an eye-opener and you know had I been told or some of the things uh, beyond that that I've learned for instance I just said pay yourself and you'd say well I'm 25 years old or I'm 30 years old um, you know I got time mm. I got plenty of time well and, and you can go out and find some websites that will show you examples of this and and it, it really opened my eyes probably more so when I got into being a benefits administrator if you started saving at 25 and you saved till you were 45 and then for whatever reason you couldn't save anymore and then you retired at 65 as opposed to starting at age 45 and starting to save and you save the same amount of money that person that quit saving at 45 will have more money than the mm. person that started at 45 even though they didn't put any extra money in it's the compounding factor of your money and your money staying invested so, you know, if I had anything that I wish I had done, uh, it would have been to start saving earlier. You know, that pay yourself just didn't seem to make sense to me. But, you know, even though it, you'd say, boy, I'm only taking 1% of my checkout, I could do a lot with that 1%. Pay down my credit card balance, for mm -hmm. instance. That little bit that you're taking out of the paycheck versus getting rid of that debt, uh, is hardly missed you know like I said if you pay yourself and you don't see the money you don't miss it I think that would be the one thing because you know I started saving a little bit later and had to do more catch-up at the end uh, you know to be able to retire and that's that's something that I really did and of course when I started out I didn't have the advantage of having 401ks as soon as those came along I was a little older and a little smarter when I saw the match I said not turning down free money mm -hmm. and, and never have. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, you know, even, and, and it, you know, I look at benefits administration stuff. We have an investment committee here at the society. Um, one of the things that we're looking into that has really been a trend in 
in uh, benefits administration is automatic enrollment. It's just too easy for a 30-year-old to come in and say, I'm going to live forever. Mm -hmm. I don't need to start saving money. When you auto-enroll people, and we're, frankly, benefits administrators are doing that now because they're afraid their employees are going to get to retirement without funds and look back at them and say, you should have told me. Mm -hmm. You know, now I'm telling you. you know, <laughs> it, no matter what it is, how little it is, uh, this is the time to start savings because that accumulates. And again, it's money, especially retirement money that you, quote, can't touch without penalties. Um, you know, 25 years from now, somebody will be saying, that made a lot of sense. You know, I'm seeing that in my own life, you know, um, because I do have money that accumulated, a lot of which I didn't put in. And, and that's the free money that you, that you could get. Well, Bob, I really appreciate you sharing all this advice. And uh, we'll be back with another series on uh, personal finance and things that I wish I knew soon. All right. Thanks, Peter. And that will wrap up this episode of WISMED On Call. Thanks to the Wisconsin Medical Society Foundation and the Wisconsin Medical Society Insurance and Financial Services, your partners for life. If you like what you heard, please visit our website, www.wisconsinmedicalsociety.org, and look for future episodes wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have suggestions or feedback, please email communications at wismed.org. Thank you for listening. Thank you.